sound Gonna rise up out of the ground There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down Oh, there was a battle A war between death and life And there on a tree The Lamb of God was crucified And He went on down to hell And He took back every key He rose up as a lion Now He's setting all the captives free There ain't no out of the grave I'm a walking to do you believe it if you walked out of the grave I'm a walking to if you walked out of the grave I'm a walking to if you walked out of the grave I'm a walking to if you walked out of the grave I'm a walking to if you walked out of the grave, I'm a walking too. If you walked out of the grave, I'm a walking too. Jesus. If you walked out of the grave, I'm a walking too. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down.
Hey, thank you. You may be seated for a moment. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're glad that you joined us as we gather here in the name of Jesus to worship God this morning. Thank you for coming and being here. I want to speak to guests for a moment. We're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. I know how it is the first Sunday when you come to a church. You're sort of looking around, feeling it out, and on edge, and wondering, are these people crazy? Could I ever come back here again? Some are crazy, but you could come back here again. This is a great hey, why'd family. Why did you look at me when you said that? I didn't look at you when I said that. Uh, but uh, we're glad you're here, and uh, hope you'll feel at home here. If, uh, when you're ready, we'd like for you to share some information with us. I know sometimes the first time people are sort of anonymous, want to be anonymous when they come, but we'd love for you to fill out a guest card. They're in the pew rack in front of you. It just helps us to put a name and face together, and it helps us to invite you to things. And so you can fill that out, take it to the Welcome Center. We have a small gift for first-time guests. It has some of our music and info about our church, and so you can drop that off there. I hope you'll consider coming back an hour earlier next Sunday. We have connection groups at 8.30. That's how we get together in groups. You get to know one another. You come to that same Welcome Center next uh, Sunday at 8.30, and they'll help get you to a group where you can meet somebody in your life situation or age group. So we're glad you're here for worship today. Um, the Bible says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So one way we approach God in worship is by thanking him. It sets the, the tone in our lives for worship. I'd like to lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving. Would you join me as we pray? And as we pray, I invite you to express your thanks to God for his goodness. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we are thankful because we realize every good thing we have comes from you. The air that we're pulling into our lungs right now, you've provided, and we're grateful for it. The beating of our hearts keeps us alive. It's only by your sustaining grace. The food that we've eaten today, you made the sunshine and the rain that grew coffee beans or fruit trees or uh, grain to make cereal. You have given us the food that we have taken into our bodies today, and we're grateful. The clothes we wear, the cars we drove here in, the homes we live in, thank you, Lord, for these things. May we never take them for granted. May we always be grateful, and by coming here today, we express that we are in your presence to acknowledge you are God, we're not, we worship you. But above all, Lord, we're thankful for the spiritual blessings in Jesus because even if we didn't have clothes and didn't have food and when the day comes we do not draw air into our lungs, Jesus will still be good. He's your greatest gift. Thank you that you sent him to die for our sins so that we could experience the forgiveness that we'll hear about today. And so, Lord, we praise you that we have life and hope and joy and peace through Jesus. May every person here experience that today in this worship. That's my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand and let's sing together. We are forgiven. I'm the one who held the nail. It was cold between my fingertips. I've hidden in the garden. I've denied you with my very lips. 
God, I fall down to my knees with a hammer in my hand. You look at me, arms open. Forgiven, forgiven, child, there is freedom from all of it. Say goodbye to every sin. I've done things I wish I hadn't done I've seen things I wish I hadn't seen Just a thought of your amazing grace and I cry, Jesus, forgive me. Come on, sing it. Here we go. God, I fall down to my knees with a hammer in my hand. You look at me, arms open. Forgiven, forgiven. Child, there is freedom from Say goodbye to every sin you are forgiven. I could have been six feet under, I could have been lost forever, I should have been in that fire, and now there's fire inside of me. Here I am, a dead man walking. No grace gonna hold our people. All the weight of all our evil lifted away, forever free. Who could believe? Who could believe? Forgiven, forgiven. You love me even when I don't deserve it. So I will say goodbye to every sin I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much for loving us despite who we have been in the past. Your forgiveness is quick to, to come to our rescue if we just ask. We are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. I was lost. I was in chains. The world had a hold on me. My heart was a stone. I was covered in shame. When he came for me, sing it with me. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his presence. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, 
loves me, He loves me, He is for me, oh Jesus, how can it be, He loves me, He is for me, and it was a fire, sing it with me, deep in my soul, I never amazed Lord at how you love us despite ourselves many times so many times we don't even love ourselves and yet you love us so many times we make you sad with the things that we do but you never stop loving us it's for that reason we sing before you this morning we come before you this morning lifting our hearts and our minds to you Lord I pray you'll open our hearts at this time and help us to just see where you are and who you are. And by doing that, I pray that, that you'll change us. I pray for Tim as he comes and brings your message. May your Holy Spirit guide and lead him. And may your Holy Spirit open our hearts and help us to hear from you today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Um, Last week, it started a, a three-week series on forgiveness, and last week we looked that we can receive forgiveness from God uh, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. And so I, I said last week that the heart of the gospel is forgiveness of sins. 
And so I want to continue to look at forgiveness, but look at it from another angle about us uh, forgiving ourselves from the, the sins that we've committed in our life. You know, I've heard people say, well, I, I know God forgives me, but um, man, I just can't forgive myself for X, Y, or Z. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, I, I know God forgives me, but uh, man, what I, what I did was, man, it was such an awful thing, and I just can't move past it. And so um, this morning, I want us to look at Scripture, knowing that God forgives us, that we can also forgive ourselves. And so the foundation for that was laid last week, recognizing that we're sinners, that the only hope that we have is in Jesus and His sacrifice on the cross for us, that we can have forgiveness of sins. And so we looked at uh, several passages last week that explained that, that showed us that, that explained the gospel to us um, about um, how we can receive forgiveness by putting our faith uh, or belief in Jesus Christ. And so um, this morning I want to continue on that to, to recognize that just to solidify that in, a, in our heads and our hearts that we have forgiveness from God, that before we can forgive ourselves, we have to recognize, um, you know, that we have to really believe uh, in that forgiveness and, and trust it in our hearts that we have forgiveness from God. And that's the starting point for forgiving ourselves. And so until, um, you know, until we can fully understand forgiveness, we need to first fully understand the forgiveness that we receive from God. That's the, that's the, the starting point of it. So uh, just one verse as the, that teaches us what the gospel is. It talks to us about what that transformation looks like. Uh, as a reminder from last week, maybe you weren't here. Here's what Colossians chapter 1 says in verse 13. It says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, that's where we were, in sin, and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so the first point is this, that the foundation is of God's forgiveness. The first point is of us understanding how we can forgive ourselves is the foundation of God's forgiveness for us. Now today, with each one of my points, I've got just a picture. Uh, you know, a low-tech visual aid, if you will. I've got first here a chain. Um, just a chain to show us all throughout Scripture, the songs we've sung this morning that just reminds us um, that that we've been, we were enslaved. We were in bondage in, into the this, this sin. The, the chains represent the bondage that we were in in our sin before we received forgiveness from Christ. That's why we sing uh, Chris Tomlin's version of Amazing Grace that says, My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, He's ransomed me, right? And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. So as a believer... We've been set free. We're no longer in the bondage of our sin. We've been redeemed. We've been justified. We've been made a new creation of God. We're now sons and daughters of the King of Kings. So not only do we know from Scripture that we have forgiveness of God, I want us to see, secondly, the second truth that we can forgive ourselves is because God, it tells us in His Word, that God doesn't keep a record of our sins. It's the second thing. God doesn't keep a record of our sins. And he forgives them and he forgets them. See, notice here in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, it says this, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Amen? Aren't you thankful that God remembers your sins no more? Here's what Psalms 103 says, verse 10 through 12. 
He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. This picture, I hope these, these items, these images plant in our mind the idea that we have forgiveness from God. When we're looking at a map, we can think all the way from the east is from the west, that we, uh, that's how far God has removed our sins from us. And you know, the, the reality is, I think, that us looking at this map is just kind of small-minded, because I think what God really forgives us of is from the east side of his created universe. All the galaxies that are out there, that's how far away from us our sins have been removed. Micah 7.19 assures us this. He says, He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Did you know that the, the deepest point in the ocean is nearly seven miles deep? I don't think we have the assurance that our sins have been cast into the depths of the sea so that we can go looking seven miles deep in the ocean for them. That's not what God is doing. You see, we have these scriptures that give us confidence that God's not walking around with a clipboard, keeping a log book of all the sins that we've made, writing down everything we've done. In fact, scripture tells us the only book that God has is when he writes down our name in the Lamb's book of life and the book of Revelation. So we can have confidence that not only does God forgive our sins, but we can forgive ourselves of our sins. He doesn't hold it over our heads. You see, why would I doubt that God forgets my sins, but yet have confidence that he sent Jesus and through his love sent Jesus to die on the cross for us when they're both taught in Scripture? So we can have confidence that God has forgiven us of our sin and he forgets them. Here's the third thing that I want us to see this morning, and that is the character of God. The character of God. I want to represent that with just a big heart. You see, the Bible says that God is love, right? We can see his character throughout Scripture. We know God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is um, unchanging. God is loving. God is gracious. He's kind. And then we reflect some of those characteristics of God, right? And so the Bible says that we know how to love because God first loved us. And we know how to stand up for justice because God first showed us what perfect justice is. And we know how to be kind to others because God first showed us his kindness. But you see, it seems like sometimes we then force onto God the way that we sometimes interact with each other. See, how many of you, think about this, have you ever forgiven somebody, but in your mind you're really kind of bitter toward them or holding a grudge toward them or you, you know, you're just really kind of still have a little bit of resentment toward them because of that sin. And so I think sometimes we expect that that's what God does toward us. Maybe you've uh, forgiven somebody of something before, but you haven't really forgotten about it, right? You kind of remember it and every time you see him, you're like, that's that guy that's, you know, blah, 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 right? And so you're ready to bring up that list of flaws and failures and everything they've done to you, and next thing they, they do something else. Well, you remember, I remember when you did X, Y, and Z, right? So that's how we expect that God is with us because that's often how we treat other people. But we believe in Scripture, and, and I do, I hope you do, that God forgets our sins 
He forgives us of them and He forgets them. And we can believe that uh, that's how it is because it's taught in Scripture. Listen to 1 John 1, 9. He says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're, we've been cleansed from all unrighteousness because of God's perfectly faithful character and because of God's perfectly just character. We know that we've been cleansed of our sins, that they've been forgiven and removed from us. That's why we never get over the gospel, right? We never get past the goodness of God and what he's done for us because every time we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The fourth thing that I want you to see this morning is the imputation of Christ. Here's the fourth reason, the imputation of Christ. Here's why God forgives us of our sin and we can forgive ourselves, because the imputation of Christ is, is the great exchange. That's what imputation means. It means that God uh, took our sin and put it on Jesus, and he took the righteousness of Jesus and put it on us. Let me show you some scriptures to uh, to show you that here, Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Manifested or shown or revealed, right? So now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Um, although the law and the prophets, they bear witness to it, right? They point to our unrighteousness and to Jesus coming. It says that the righteousness then of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So why the law? You see, if we back up into the Old Testament, um, we know that the law was given to Moses just to point out to us for our need of a Savior. It showed us that we were sinners, that we were not righteous, in need of a Savior. And that's why they brought these animal sacrifices to the priest so that they would sacrifice that animal on the altar for the atonement or for the forgiveness of their past sins. But they had to do that over and over. But you see, God provided for us the perfect lamb to be sacrificed in our behalf, which is Jesus, the righteousness of God then, through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe in his sacrifice for our sin. So through our faith in Jesus, the righteousness of God has been imputed to us or ascribed to us or credited to us or attributed to us or given to us by the perfect, sinless, righteous life of Jesus. See, that's why Paul writes to us in 2 Corinthians. He says this in chapter 5. For our sake, for our sake, he, being God, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Right? He's sinless. He's perfect. He's righteous. But God put on him the sin so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So here's how it looks in a big story. In Colossians chapter 2, it tells us this. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. You see, our record of debt before, before putting our faith in Jesus would have been guilty, right? Liar, guilty. Judgmental, guilty. Lustful thoughts, guilty. Gossiper, guilty. Anger, guilty. Before Christ, we were guilty, right? 
But Jesus took on that sin debt, and he paid that debt for us so that we could take on his righteousness. I've got, as the image for this one, just a picture printed off of Google Images of Jesus. And here's what I want us to, to visualize, right? So when, when God sees me, he doesn't see Tim Hensick anymore. He sees Jesus, right? And he sees the, the righteousness of Jesus that's been imputed onto me because of my faith in Jesus. It's not that I'm perfect. It's not that I'm sinless. I'm still a sinner. But when God sees me, he sees Jesus because the righteousness of Jesus has been credited to my account. It's been imputed to me because of the work of Christ on the cross. And so that's what the imputation of Christ looks like, is that his righteousness has been applied to my account. And under the legal standing, I'm no longer guilty, but I'm forgiven And I've been acquitted of all those sins, and I'm now redeemed and righteous through the blood of Christ. So God, see, he has no reason to remember our past sins because he sees us as Jesus, the imputation of Jesus being placed on us. So if you're taking notes, um, we're through the first four, and here's what I want you to notice about the first four points. All of those are by the work of God. And so Karen has a big bold line going through there for us um, after number four. So you just go over there to the left of one through four and write God. Great big letters because that's the work of God, right? It's it's God's forgiveness of sin. It's him no longer remembering our sin. It's his character that we're basing this on. And it's his imputation of Jesus that he's given us. It's all the work of God. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you where we're going with five and eight. Five through eight is our responsibility. So you can just write man right there besides five through eight. Go ahead and write man there because that has to do with our responsibility, maybe our reaction, our response to knowing the forgiveness of God. It's what Jesus has done for us. And so uh, this next item that I want you uh, to see is a backpack. See, this backpack, I learned earlier this morning that this one was Shonda's and I couldn't about hardly get it on, so I had to make it a little bit bigger. Um, This backpack represents our shame and guilt. And uh, it's the guilt and the shame that we carry around in life. And a lot of times, um, you know, we, the more we live life, the the more shame and guilt we carry and the more, the heavier we feel like our baggage can get, right? And so we're carrying around this baggage in life um, often because we remember our own sin. But I want to tell you who else remembers our sin and that's Satan. Satan remembers our sin, and he loves it. Why? Because he wants to use it to his advantage. He wants to keep us bogged down with our shame, defeated with our shame, knocked down, unable to live out a life of Christ because of the shame and the guilt that we carry around. You see, I promise you one thing that Satan, he's got game, right? Satan's got shame game. That's his game that he plays to keep us uh, under this bondage of, of guilt and shame from our forgiven sins. Uh, he knows that God has forgiven our sins from him, and so he wants the voice that we hear to be him piling on us shame and guilt. Listen to what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. I love this Gospel. Maybe one of my favorite books in the Bible in John 10.10 10, says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. But here's what Jesus says, But I've come that they may have life, And have it abundantly. See, Satan loves nothing better than to destroy our lives. 
than to knock us down, to take us out from the past shame and the past guilt from our past, or the shame and the guilt from our past sins that we have experienced in life. So wait, wait, what we have to do is, is learn not to, listen to sh- not to listen to Satan and to the shame that he throws on us, not to listen to him. We've got to remind ourselves who's saying it. Um, here's what Jesus tells the, the Pharisees. Uh, they're standing in their, the temple. They're trying to trap him in his words. And here's what Jesus says to these Pharisees in John 8, 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Ooh, ouch. And your will is to do your father's desires. He, being Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. So there's no truth in him, right? Because there is no truth in him when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. See what polar opposites, the father of lies, there's no truth in him to the character of God, the source of truth. And so we can't listen to the words that come out of Satan's mouth. Um, I, I love it because Satan's trying to knock us down. He's trying to get us to feel defeated, trying to get us to feel overwhelmed, carrying the shame and guilt. And here's what he tells those believers that were standing there in that moment in the temple a few verses earlier. Verse 36, he says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So you see, we no longer need to carry around this guilt, this shame, this condemnation, this only comes from Satan. And Satan doesn't want us to live in the forgiveness that we have, so we need to toss it aside and be done with the shame and the guilt that Satan puts on us. We need to live in the forgiveness that God gives us. Don't listen to the liar, okay? Here's the sixth truth. The sixth truth is a to-do list because I want you uh, to remember that remembering your sin is good. You see, now, I'm not contradicting myself here. Let me explain myself. Um, I've got a to-do list, right? You write things down on your uh, to-do list that you don't want to forget, right? And so you're like, oh, that's important. I need to write that down. Um, You know, I shared in the first service, you know, sometimes you ever just want to feel productive. And so, you know, sometimes I've written things down on my to-do list that I've already done because I'm like, but I did that and I, I want to see it scratched off, right? Because I just, you know, sometimes you just need to feel that sense of accomplishment. So on, you write down things on our to-do list so you can remember them. Well, here's why we need to remember our past sins. There's a good reason for it. Why? So that we don't do it again, right? So that we don't fall into that same trap that Satan's throwing at us again. There are good reasons for us to remember our sin. I think most, you know, a big part of the lessons that we learn in life come from life experiences, right? We learn how to do it. We remember what we did. And sometimes I think we learn just as much from our failures as we do our successes. And so I don't want to forget the, the, the sin that I committed against God because I want it to help me to live in obedience to Him moving forward. You know, it's like this. Have you ever eaten something and it made you sick? And now just the thought of putting that item in your mouth almost makes you nauseous. Don't even, I don't want anybody to get nauseous in here this morning. But, it, you know, the thought of eating that again, you can remember where you're at. You're remembering the smell, how it smelled, and the way it made you feel. I had, had two people come up and say, oh, that item went right back in my mind as soon as you said that this morning. And so I, I think we remember those things in life, right? And so I want us to, in our minds, think that way about sin, and when we think back to our sin, think, oh, I want that to make me nauseous, right? I want it to make me, 
I, I, don't, I want to remember how bad it was, remember how I disobeyed the Lord. I don't um, want to fall back into the same struggle. Sometimes we, we struggle forgiving ourselves because we, we fall back into the same pattern of sin again. I, I want to remember how bad that sin was and, and how it made me feel so that I don't fall back into the same trap of doing it again. You see, we act like uh, we forget the pain and suffering that the sin caused, all for some temporary pleasure of, of doing it again. But I don't want to forget about uh, how that sin made me feel. I want to just learn to be obedient to God. And so I, if we remember that brokenness, it'll help us make good choices moving forward. And so uh, we need to be repulsed by our sin and uh, hate our sin enough to live obedient to God moving forward. I think there's another healthy side of remembering our sin. You see, remembering our sin, uh, we remember also the goodness of God's grace, right? Are we not reminded of His graciousness when we remember, man, I, I did that, but God's forgiven me, and He's gracious, and He's good. And see, sometimes we, um, we have sins in our past that have ongoing or continuing uh, consequences, and so maybe they continue, maybe even for the rest of our lives, and so we we are reminded of them so we can remember how God then turned that sinful thing into a blessing. How, how He turned that simple thing into a growing experience. How He turned that past sin into maybe a, begin, a new beginning in your life, right? And so the reality is even consequences that have become blessings can remind us of the goodness of God. They can remind us of His grace and His goodness toward us, and they can help push us down the path of righteousness, of restoration, and of sanctification. See, King David, he had an affair uh, with Bathsheba. He should have been off to war at the time, but he uh, had this affair. And then, uh, to try to make matters uh, better, um, he manipulated a, ba a battle situation to get her husband killed. And that could have been the end of David, right? David could have been done because of Satan's Shame game, but we hear in Psalm 51 the heart of David. Listen to his heart of confession, right? Listen to this in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Then, a few verses later down in verse 10, he says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast or a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take, me not, or take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Man, later, read the whole chapter of Psalm 51, because here's the thing. That's coming from a man who didn't forget his sin, and he didn't forget the goodness of God and that restoration and the joy of salvation that came with it. The seventh thing that I want to show you is a mask. Because I think this is a warning. We distance ourselves or we act fake when we don't uh, forgive ourselves. You know, maybe you want to be Hulk for Halloween. I don't know. But here's sometimes the mask that we put on um, because we, we don't forgive ourselves and, and we carry around that shame and the guilt that we, that we feel. And Satan loves that because then when we carry around that shame and guilt, um, then we try to distance ourselves from the church. Um, we try to be fake around other believers. 
and we just try to put on this smile that everything's good. And I'll tell you, it's hard to walk around with a fake smile. And you're like, <laughs> trying to smile. Hey, hey, doing good, good. Right? But we can't, we're acting fake and we're being distant. And so we're like, oh, they're coming. I'll try to go around as far as I can in the hallway here. Oh, they're coming. I'm gonna, maybe you go the other way, right? And so we try to act distant. We be fake. Um, all because of that sense of shame and guilt that we have on us. But here's what Scripture says, right? All throughout the New Testament, we're described as the body of Christ. We're called to, to live in harmony with one another, to love one another, to pray for one another, to serve one another, to, uh, to forgive one another, to mourn and rejoice with one another. You see, we're called as a body to be together, not distant, not separate, not isolated. That's what Satan would want. He wants us to, to stay caught in those traps of the, the feeling of shame and guilt. He wants us to continue to, to feel the insecurities of our past, our, our maybe our inadequacies of those feelings of unworthiness. Worth of unworthiness. And so that's where Satan wants us to stay trapped. You see, then we begin in, in those moments to think, man, that's what everybody else is thinking about me too, right? And then we, we sometimes begin, well, that's maybe how you're thinking about them, right? We, 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 all, we think that's how they're thinking about us, and because of that, we just withdraw, we distance ourselves, we stay back, we put on this mask of fakeness, because we are still living in that shame and guilt. That's where Satan wants us to be. But listen to Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what it says of the body of Christ. Verse 15, it says, We are to grow up in every way in Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, the reality is we depend on each other. We need each other as the body of Christ. And that's how we grow. Maybe we need each other to, to confess sin to each other and, and to help provide accountability and to, to help get us through a difficult time, not to distance ourselves from it. So we need each other to be joined together as a healthy body to grow up in our faith. Here's what Paul says in, uh, to the church in in Philippi, this is what he says of Timothy. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. Right? Why? For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church that is genuinely concerned for my welfare, and I want to be genuinely concerned for the welfare of the, of the people in the body of Christ. Right? That's what we're called to be. But Satan doesn't want us to be that way. He wants us to hear his words, be reminded of his shame and guilt. He wants to keep us caught up in those traps where we'll fall back into sin, we distance ourselves, we put on this mask of fakeness, we go through the motions, and we just pretend like everything's all good. Here's the last thing. Number eight, our life is on display. Here's a family picture, right? We display family pictures. Maybe you have them on display in your office and people come in and they're like, oh, is that your family? They're so cute, right? They're on display for everybody to see. The reality is our life is on display for Jesus. See, the last truth, not only understanding that our life is on display and that Satan wants to keep us down Listen here to 1 Timothy. 
Paul kind of gives a picture to Timothy of his whole life, kind of recapping in a sense, I think. Listen to verse 12. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to service. So that's where he's at right now. That's what he's writing to Timothy. Man, I'm, I'm thankful for Christ. He strengthens me. Um, he's, he's judged me faithful. He's um, you know, appointed me to service. That strength comes from Jesus that he's able to serve for him. Now here's his past. Though formerly, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy. Now listen to this transition of the gospel, this salvation moment in his life. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Right? Paul remembered his past. But now listen to verse 16. But I received mercy For the reason that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. See, Satan wants to render us ineffective for the kingdom. He wants us to stay caught in our shame and guilt. But what we're called to be is on display. On display for the goodness of Christ, right? As we live, as we play, the things we do as we work, as we worship, everything we do, we're on display for Christ to show the glory of His goodness, His graciousness, that they can receive forgiveness of sin by believing in Him. Look at me, my life on display. Here's where I once was, but look where I'm at now because of the righteousness of Christ imputed to me. Your life is on display for the kingdom, and Satan doesn't want it to be. So don't let your past prevents you from moving forward, right? Jesus has called us to proclaim the gospel by our very lives, that our lives we are on display for the kingdom of God. As we wrap up this morning, I just want to remind you again, these things, these parts of God, right? We're in bondage of sin until we receive forgiveness. That map... It can remind you every time you see a map that our sins are as far as the east is from the west. And we know these are true because of the character of God. He loves us. He's gracious toward us. He's imputed onto us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So because of that, we no longer need to carry around that shame and that guilt that so often we get caught in. We don't need to Forget about the, the goodness of God, the, how bad that sin made us feel so we can live for Him. We've got to quit acting fake, right? Quit distancing ourselves. Live together as the body of Christ, knowing that our life is on display for the kingdom. That everything we do is for His effectiveness to reach the people around us for the love of Christ. So this morning, we've got an invitation. And I want to offer you, first and foremost, forgiveness of sins. You can have a new life in Christ. His righteousness can be accredited to you this morning. If you give your life to Him by putting your faith, your belief in Him, and in His sacrifice on the cross for you. 
I don't believe you can fully understand what forgiveness is in your own life and forgive yourself until you understand what forgiveness from God is. Secondly, maybe you're a believer and you're sitting here, but you've been caught carrying that backpack of shame and guilt around. And this morning, we want to offer you to take it off. Begin walking in new life in Him, a new beginning today. You're a believer, but come, get rid of that backpack today. Get rid of that shame and guilt so you no longer have to carry that around. Why do you want to walk through life with that baggage on your back, right? Maybe this morning the thing you need to do is join our church family. We invite you to be a part of this church, right? We're called to be together. Uh, we, we need to be in community so we can love, serve, and forgive each other and live in harmony with each other and mourn and rejoice with each other and live on display with each other. This morning, that's our choice. So respond faithfully to God. I'm going to pray for us, and then, then the band will lead us in an invitational song. Father in heaven, I pray this morning that somebody would receive your forgiveness of sins today, right now in this place. God, they've heard the gospel. They know it's freely offered to them. God, I pray also that maybe a believer in here wouldn't walk out in that bondage. God, somebody would join the church to live on display. Whatever it is, God, I pray this morning that they respond faithfully to the reading of your word. God, so that their lives can be changed. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Respond faithfully how God has called you this morning. God loves a lullaby in a mother's tears in the dead of night Better than a hallelujah sometimes God loves a drunkard's cry, a soldier's plea not to let him die Better than a hallelujah sometimes We pour out our miseries God just hears the melody Beautiful the mess we are On His Christ and breaking heart Better than a hallelujah Woman holding on for life, a dying man giving up the fight. Better than a hallelujah sometimes. Tears of shame for what's been done, silence when the words won't come. Better than a hallelujah sometimes. We pour out our miseries. God just hears the melody, beautiful the mess we are, on his cries breaking hearts, better than a hallelujah, church bell ringing, better than a choir singing out, singing out, we pour 
not just his melody beautiful the mess we are honest Christ breaking heart better than a hallelujah we pour just hears a melody beautiful the best we are on his cross breaking heart better than a hallelujah better than a hallelujah sometimes better than a hallelujah Than a hallelujah sometimes. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated for just a moment, please. Thank you, Tim, for sharing the, the good news of forgiveness with us this morning. I pray that you take that to heart. And if you're carrying that backpack of shame, you put it down today and move forward in victory. Uh, maybe you didn't come forward here in this service, but you want to talk to someone. Tim will be at the Welcome Center right after this, and you could join our church there. You could pray to receive Christ there. If you have other questions and want to talk a little further, you'll have that opportunity. I encourage you to do that. Thank you for being here today. I want to share just a, a couple of things uh, about the life of our church before we go. Uh, first of all, um, we have upward basketball and cheerleading evaluations this past week. We have 122 kids so far who are involved. That's great. Need coaches, need game day coordinators, referees, and scorekeepers. So if you're interested in serving in any of those ways, there's a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center today. And Shonda would love to have you sign up. And that is primarily in January and February. On Saturdays, you'd serve. Unless as a coach, you'd serve in December at practices as well. We need some folks to help there. Would you help invest in these kids? Uh, go by there and sign up. Secondly, next Sunday night on Halloween night is our trunk or treat here in our parking lot of our church. We have inflatables for kids, and we have tr people bring their trunks, and we give out candy. So first of all, you could just invite families with children to come, but also we need some more people to serve. We've got about 33, 35 people signed up. We'd love to have 40 or 50 trunks. That enables us to serve the people that come and spread out. So would you consider doing that? Um, again, go by the Welcome Center. There's a half-sheet page that explains what your responsibility would be when you get here, and you can sign up there. And that's a great investment in our community and a great fellowship. And you get a free supper. You, get, you can sign up for a free hot dog dinner there. They serve you. You can't beat that. So come and help us in that. Finally, uh, this Wednesday begins our introductions class. If you're new to our church, this class is designed to introduce you to what First Baptist is about. We do a tour of the church. You meet staff. Uh, we do talk about our ministries, our missions. We also do a basic introduction to Christian beliefs. So if you're new to Christianity and know what is this about, I don't have the whole picture yet, we go over the basic beliefs of Christianity. So if you're new, I invite you to come. It's a four-week class. begins this Wednesday at 6.30 that Daniel McKenzie and I will lead. Uh, or if you're a new member, we expect new members to come through this at least a year after they join. So for new folks, I invite you to come and be a part of that. Thanks for being here today.
May the Lord bless you as you go. Let's pray together. Would you join me, please, as we go? Uh, dear Lord, we're so grateful for the truth that we've heard here today. May that be real in our lives as we live. May we not be determined or defined by our past, but by our future. May we lay down those burdens and live in victory. May we engage with one another. Uh, Lord, we pray you'd help us to live out what we've heard. Bless now your people as we go, and may we walk with you in joy. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.